Hello and welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson, your host, and joining me is Dr. Peter Bernstein. Today we continue in our series on how to survive through adversity. Dr. Bernstein, or Peter, as he likes to be called, is a coach and mentor with 49 years of experience helping people survive and grow through trauma, struggles, and hard times, the stuff of real life. Mm -hmm. The goal of our series is to help you discover what we've experienced, that adversity is more than a trial to endure. It can be an exciting opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive. That's the truth. It is. It is. And you know what? We want to put a positive slant. That's what this show is all about. A positive slant on what can come out of the difficult times. I don't want to, um, I just want to allude to uh, something that we spoke about today earlier um, before we were on the air. And that is not everybody sees it the way we do. And a lot of people that are broken through struggle and adversity and pain can grow very bitter and very cynical and very destructive to others as well as themselves. We can't forget that there are people, like, plenty of people like that out there too. We don't want to live in a bubble and pretend that we don't know that. But we are showing you a much better take on things and we can attest to it personally. Um, and also with all the work that we've done for so many years, we can attest to the good that can come out of this. It's not an easy journey but it's a journey that is, is precious and it has such value. For the folks that are have taken another road, well, they're probably not gonna be terribly interested in what we have to say and that's up to them. And I know there's plenty of folks like that out there. I, I hope they have someday have a change of mind. And that's probably one of the things that we're gonna talk about today is a change of mind, a change of, of a being through these difficult journeys. We had a really wonderful guest on last week, and that was Haloa Levy. Just for let you know, that was episode 67. And what was the name of the episode? It was A Caregiver's Journey. Uh, Haloa Levy gives us a moving testimony. And it was moving. And what's really moving about it is she talks about what she went through. Um, she was not a good caregiver at one time. She wasn't. <laughs> she didn't care about anybody but herself at one time in her life. And... She spoke about the difficult journey that she had in turning this around. But Hello is a different person today. And um, she's not just embraced, she lives being a selfless, giving person of maturity and depth um, through difficulties and struggle and suffering. Her life is not necessarily the easiest. In fact, some things about it are very difficult um, and not getting easier. And yet she's thriving. She's at the top of her game at 80 years old. She doesn't look 80. She looks probably 60. Mm -hmm. um, yep. And her, her energy is remarkable. Um, and she's a great contributor. And we're going to have her back here, aren't we, next week? Yes, hope? that would be episode 69. Yeah. We're on 68 today. And I'll tell you, it was a wonderful, moving, very touching uh, interview. And she was a great contributor. But what was nice about it is her transparency didn't have to do with her hemorrhaging her emotional pain into what she was talking about, which tells me, and we know this, that she as well as we ourselves have come to the, when I say the other side of it, I mean, our woundedness isn't consuming us and drawing us back into the past a lot. And uh, that's a nice place to be when you can come through in a more healed and whole person in the present. 
Lois certainly demonstrates that. I'd say she's a late bloomer. And for us, we can say that in a very positive way around here. But for 80 to be at the top of her game, yeah. with the challenges she meets, not just at her work, but in her personal life, very remarkable and a lovely, beautiful woman, did a great interview. But we want to talk about that today a little bit and have some continuity between, we do. between we do. what we did last time. And this is episode 60, We're eight. 68. 68 today, yeah. And I asked today, do we put names on these episodes? And I found out we do. So that'll yes. tell you, I'm a little late on the uptake on this, a little mm -hmm. slow. Um, anyway, I want to encourage people because we also have these episodes on YouTube. Yes, totally on the video, televised the the video. on YouTube. And we also are on Spotify and SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher. Mm, yeah, and Facebook. And then we also have when you when these we talk about these. There's a, a a nice description yeah, of the episode. Of summary. The ep yeah, the and episode. I was just yeah. saying today, I love them. I missed the one that from last week. It was there, but I wasn't scrolling fast enough or something. <laughs> but I'll tell you, I love them. And I really recommend that people take a look at them. Uh, I know a lot of people are, because I hear about it, and more and more. But I, I love what's happening here. We were going to talk today about a couple of things, and I'm going to let Jenny lead into it. She's the host. Um, and um, we're going to cover is what we can today. And I think our producer says that we need to breathe sometimes and take, because <laughs> once we get rolling, folks, we really get rolling. We get rolling. And the reason is we're part of, we're living it. And we have so much information and experience in helping others as well as what we go through. Um, and it's very close to our hearts. We're doing this because this is such a meaningful subject. Um, to help folks develop resilience and strength and hope. And this is in the midst of struggle and pain and suffering. Yes. And it means so much to us to reach, to reach more and more people um, and to circumvent a lot of their defenses and a lot of the barriers that they put up in being reachable. And we find if they're not reachable, it's only a matter of time that there's going to be trouble, big trouble. So we want to make sure that we can prevent it. We also have found ways to turn it around. And that's an unusual thing to be able to turn a burned out person around. But we've done it numbers of times with workshops that we've done and trainings that we've done. Um, I think of a year-long training program we did at the, v the VA system back east, Vision 3, for a year. And talking about burned out people, by the time we got there, they were angry, they were resentful, they were bitter. They had done so much to help our soldiers and their families. Um, these were really giving people, nurses and doctors. Some of them were some of the, the nurses that were on those C-5s flying over from Afghanistan and Iraq with wounded veterans. Yep. Amazing people, but boy, by the time we got there, they needed some help, and they were un a very unhappy group, about 60 of them, mm -hmm. and boy... These were warriors, so you can imagine when they were they were bitter, they were angry, they were burned out, they were shot. They've had it. And we worked with them for a year, and I think we did a, a very a effective job. We learned how to do an effective job, and we learned how to be effective with them and tune into the struggles and ch challenges that they were facing. Um, it took us a little time to dial it in, but when we did, we were, with, we were involved with them for a year, and uh, they learned a lot, and a lot of the folks that were burned out were not burned out anymore. In fact, they were passionate about their work. Um, they were also having a big, that was a time before the VA was being exposed. 
Yeah, and that was a very chaotic, conflictual time. In yeah, the it really was, and yeah. they weren't yeah. happy about it. We just, and what we learned was they were right. Yeah, there was so much corruption, and from the higher ups and the the burdens that were being put on people, and that it was it was not good because it was put on us too. And we didn't, since being outside the system, didn't like it. So um, we had to help them cope with the pressures of the VA system at that time. Um, before a lot of the corruption and, and trouble came out, it came to light. These people knew about it already. They were experiencing it. Yeah, yes. and they knew it. They and so were. did we. There were good people there. They were very good. And some of them actually were exceptional. Yeah. But it took us a little time to sort it out because they're all very angry yeah. and, and cynical and bitter. And I remember how we got it was a big, <laughs> scary. We did our first workshop, I think it was in Red Bank, New Jersey, and I looked around after they got really mad, and Jenny was nowhere to be found. Yeah. She was heading out of the... Do you remember that? I know. <laughs> She's not like that today. I was sitting right in the middle of it trying to run the PowerPoint, and I could feel everything coming and apart. it was scary. Me. They were yeah. very, very angry. They were not wimps. And they you know what? strong people. We stopped the whole thing. Yeah. We developed a workshop that would work just for them, not the VA system, and they were pleased. Yeah. But... So there's a, so there's a theme. If I can just ahead, break in it? for a moment, and Go the ahead. theme is part of what I what you've taken time to do uh, is really kind of go over all the things we were going to talk about today. So uh -huh. let's maybe go back and kind of dial in on on one thing, and it, it has very much to do with what you're just talking about, which is, and I say this, at, it's usually at the end of every podcast. If what we have said has benefited you. Mm -hmm. Please consider supporting our work here. And mm -hmm. our work is underwritten by Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment. But I've got to say that you and I are here for much more than uh, any monetary thing that we might get from the, from the nonprofit, yeah. which is really, honestly, not that much. We're here because there's a message we want to get out. And you have hit on it and it has to do with as you said at the very beginning what happens when people don't face the stress the adversity the struggles of their life what happens to them and what happens when they do and as a prime example we had Haloa on last week episode 67 as a testimony to what happens when people take on pain and difficulty and come through the other side to become the person that they feel they were meant to be. Yeah. And you've been, that's been your, your business, our business, through your career. The podcast has come just recently in the last year, year and a half or so. And we're here because we want to reach out to more people than can actually physically come into the office, offering them some hope and, and encouragement and tools to make a difference in their life. Absolutely, and you know, I almost think that sometimes some of our workshops are like workshops because we're giving people specifics to, to uh, for self-care, uh, particularly the caregivers, the first responders. We don't divide the first responders and caregivers, but I know first responders see themselves separately. There's firefighters, there's police, there's doctors, there's nurses, there's counselors. Um, there's so many. So we don't we see. The, the thread that runs through all of them, um, they have they're what they call an empath, an empathic type person, and um, which means that they care, and they want to they want to give of themselves uh, for one reason or another, 
and um, what the 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 good part of it is they really start off with some pretty darn good intentions, and sometimes they've been through so much themselves in their own personalized trauma, and it's given them a certain calling and empathy um, to to want to help others and come alongside others. It's it's a biblical concept, to be honest with you. So um, when we when we uh, when we deal with folks that are like this, we know they're going to go through it a whole lot more personally than most people in most professions. That is the truth. It's a very difficult thing to do. Um, a lot of times I remember when I was told it was a calling in my life, I didn't even know what a calling was. And somebody told me there seems to be another, a, another thing in your life called, a, you, need, you have a calling for helping others. I didn't know what the person was talking about then. as much younger, but today it, it is true. Um, there's a spiritual side to this thing. And I was fortunate enough to have some very, very good mentors myself and who redirected my life out of a very troubled kind of life I was living, a very hard, uh, combative and dangerous life to do something so much better. Um, I don't regret being part of that life in some ways because it gave me a deeper understanding of parts of life that most people don't have. Um, so. Um, you know, for me, it, you know, I have drawn upon that. I was one of those tough type of guys growing up in New Jersey um, who turned out to be a caregiver, a profession as a, a psychologist, a psychotherapist for so many years. Today, I'm beyond that, and I see myself as a consultant, someone who coaches people and help, helps them recover from trauma. The uh, body work that we do to help caregivers we see the body as the reservoir for absorbing so much of the energy of these traumatic situations that caregivers are facing every day. So for let's yeah, let's come back to that. Okay. All right, we're 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 going into good territory here. You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Peter and I are just getting into looking at what is our motivation, what is our desire, what is our message here in our podcast, which is very consistent with all the other work that we've ever done and you've done through your career. And that is to help people practically, constructively, emotionally, in every way, physically, in every way, who want to take on a significant challenge in their life to grow, serve, give, help others, and help them work through the very difficult, painful, stressful, adverse conditions that they may find themselves in in that quest. We're talking about caregivers, first responders, law enforcement, mm -hmm. medical personnel. Right. Um, Yes, everyone in their career faces stress and difficulty, but there's a special quality to the difficulties and the struggles that caregivers of this type incur encounter in their work. It touches so deeply and it challenges so deeply, and we're here to help support people who are ready to take okay. that on. You know, it's interesting. I was just talking to someone about this, a young girl who's, who's uh, starting on her career. And I know you and I, uh, I was a guest on a board of talk, uh, 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 
talking to a lot of young folks that were, were going to be uh, doctors. You're talking about Norell. Norell. Oh, yes. Norell. We spoke I, we to. We should listen to this, Norell. Yes. Norell is an outstanding. I want to say she's. We, a, we expect really big things from yeah, Norell. She's a waitress, but that's just what she does. But she's a medical student. Yeah. And she's back east. We miss her. She's beautiful. She's Peruvian. Yes. And we love her. And she's so darn smart. Smart. And I don't mean academically. Kind. Yes. I mean, this girl has got heart and uh, her feet are on the ground yes. for a young girl. And we've. Yes, Narelle, if you're watching this, you know we're expecting big things from you. <laughs> no and pressure. Actually, <laughs> we expect you to work for us eventually. Yes, we want <laughs> to stay But Narelle's outstanding. And she had put together a conference. And I remember I was, there were doctors on the nurses, uh, ER doctors, psychologists. And you know what was interesting? I had been, like, as Jenny said, it'll almost, it'll be 50 years I've been doing this uh, in September. But you know, one of the things that came, has come to mind to, for me is what really makes an effective caregiver. And I've had conversations with people that have some real experience that I um, have a great deal of respect for in all these different professions, and they all say the same thing. The folks that come in with all the, the young folks or the new folks that come in with their head loaded with good, good intentions, intentions and lots that. of knowledge yeah. don't necessarily make very good first responders and caregivers. It's the folks that come with the heart that are willing to give of themselves and, and sacrificially and lovingly as well as with skill that make the difference. And I've spoken to some folks that have uh, many years as first responders. Uh, I've spoken to God, a number of people and the ones that I respect, they all say the same thing right across the board. Yeah. And they say, but there are caregivers that have a lot of in good intention. They've got a lot of education and skill and are terrible at what they do. They're not good team players. They're not really good people helpers. And um, they go through the motions of, a per of performing well. To come back to that, that's what Haloa talked about the last time she was here. We'll come back to that. I just want to mention that, but keep going. Oh, did I? I broke the flow. No, I thought, are we another break? No, we're not on a that's break. That's a Jenny break. We're not on okay. a break. No, it was, it was just Jenny something break. popped up, and I just wanted to say that Haloa was talking about that. So we'll come back to that. Right now. You want to do that now? Sure. So, I, yeah, Haloa was talking about... She was talking about just this. ...taking on the role of caregiver and wanting having the best of intentions, the best of intentions, and, and developing the skills. And yet, as she shared with us in episode 67, uh, Lynn, who she was taking care of, one day, to her immense surprise, said, uh, turned to her and said, you're a phony. You're such a phony. I remember that. And I remember she was right. Because I remember passing many times through the rooms at Haloa's working in and going, I don't even want to go in there. Because there was an anger in Haloa, a resentment, high performance, and no love. Nothing. No selflessness there that I could tell. And leave it to Lynn in her debilitated state to confront Haloa right to the, right to, on target, saying you're such a phony. And to her credit, Haloa cared. And Haloa and took that to heart. Yes. It turned her life around. Yeah. That is because she loves Lynn. And I have to say, Haloa did a beautiful job on our interview last week about this. And Haloa knew that it was true. And this, instead of being defensive um, and justifying herself, she opened her heart up to the truth. It's not easy it. to do. Very painfully it's so. very it, hard to do. It broke her. Yeah. But in a good way. 
then that's the beauty of the folks that are caregivers. It doesn't mean everybody comes in perfectly. It depends on when they reach that point of being broken, what they, how they're going to react and how they're going to respond. Haloa responded in the best possible way, and that's why she is thriving today. Well, for her challenge at 80 years old, you, it's hard to believe. But it's true, she did a beautiful job. It's hard to compete with someone who's come into their own and is so comfortable now with themselves because of what they've been through. And they talk from pure experience. Mm -hmm. Hello is wonderful in another way, too, that she's developed the ability to communicate with the folks that are performers or runners that don't want to be involved. Hello was one of the people that before that time of taking care of it, she had ignored her mother's wish. She didn't want anything to do with her mother on her on her mother's deathbed. She was so resentful Haloa that she didn't want nothing to do with her mother. She didn't want to help her. She didn't even want to see her. And and I know I reached a point then of saying, you're going whether you like it or not because your mom's not going to be here much longer. And I think it wasn't, it was days, I know Haloa could attest this, before her mom passed away. And it gave Haloa a chance to make a connection with her mother before her mother died. But Haloa was that kind of woman. She was not somebody who, when she saw difficulty engaged with it to give, she'd avoid and get out of there. And she went, she was always had a way of justifying in her own mind why she did that. And there was no denying that she had a very difficult and twisted, psychologically abusive past with her family. Absolutely all true. But yet what Haloa did was continue the bitterness and the grudges even right to her mother's deathbed requests. That, to me, will tell you, if you knew Haloa today and watched the interview from last week and watched this woman, the kind of work that she does today, we're talking about, it, it's like two different people. Yes. She's selfless, she's loving, she's got integrity and character and decency and goodness and maturity that is undeniable and skill too. So. She's one of the people that of, of these empaths who took the who took it the brokenness and took the challenges well and did something very special with it. That's the people we're talking about that we want to address. Now, coming from me talking to someone who's a runner, my reaction and I said this on earlier, I look at people and go, Where where the hell are you going? There's the need right here, and you have a million excuses and reasons why you aren't going to do it. So, so let me ask you then, because I know you you said that. What do you see as as going to be the consequences for people? What drives you to communicate this message? Don't run. What do you see happen for people well, it's a, it's who a, don't absolutely. take on this? And it is a difficult challenge. And what happens when they they don't take it on? No, the difficult challenge is what comes afterwards if you don't engage and to care for someone in need right that's helpless and I, I or hurting or in desperate shape <coughs> the consequences are eventually lifelong regret guilt remorse a part of you that you will never like <coughs> about yourself no matter how you fabricate things about yourself no matter how many people you blame or uh, hold responsible for your inaction poor action and and weaknesses well, the truth of the matter is the only person, you, number one, you've hurt the person that really was in need, desperately reaching out or in need. You've really done damage, and if they pass away, it's irreparable. I mean, you've hurt them for the rest of their life. Um, but more, even more so, you've hurt yourself for the rest of your life. 
and it's a very high price to pay. The pain, I've seen more people who've gone through this with regret that is almost insurmountable. It's so painful. When they finally come to the truth and are stripped away and stop blaming everybody else, when they see what they've done, and it's a weakness of character, no question, a lack of integrity. They don't have certain, th there's missing certain things within themselves that they just don't want to connect with, and they always find a way to justify. Now, would Peter Bernstein be a good person for that? No. No. Someone like Haloa Levy, though, has been there and back. So when she talks from experience in the heart, and she's also a very good communicator, she knows what she's saying. Our, our challenge is to try to reach these people way as soon as we can. And I, I, I gotta say, it's a very difficult task to turn people around that are holding grudges and bitternesses, whether it's secret agendas or not, um, who don't wanna be reached. And no matter how you communicate with them, they're not gonna do it. And there's gonna be a high price to be paid all around. So I, I want to bring in one other thing, too, which is a, a sort of a similar aspect to this, which is for first responders. Their commitment may not be to the person that they're there to serve, rescue, help in the emergency, but their commitment is to their team. That's, that's, um, that's another aspect of... Um, that's another aspect of it, Jenny. Okay. In other words, when when uh, people take it, don't know what to do and don't like, that's just you going down a different track. But okay. I'll so then let's hold off on that. Let's hold, let's finish what we were talking about. You then. have a lot to say today, Jenny. I do. But I can feel it's coming. It's just sharp, straight. Sorry. Right Sorry. And it's all good stuff. It's just like you're on a different track a little bit. Okay. Um, the track you're on are some of the repercussions. Right. Of folks that are not taking the right pathway. Right, um, some of the consequences. The consequences, and some yeah. of them are right there. If they're on a, a first responder team, they're gonna be in conflict, they're gonna cause trouble, they're gonna be into drugs and alcohol, they're gonna have an 80% divorce rate, they're gonna have cancer levels that are much higher. The death rate is 15, what is it? 15 years shorter than most the regular people and regular professions. The reason is, is the toxicity of the energy that they've absorbed and the way that they have chosen not to deal with it and self-care yeah. is deadly. Is that true for every profession? No. This is a profession that is, we're talking about life and death. Yeah. Not just to the people we're helping, your life and death too. So coming to the realization through this work that it's gonna take a lot of self-care to rebuild yourself in a better way. And everybody, all of us, have to go into a rebuild. It, 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 this is the kind of work that will thrust you back on yourself in so many different ways. Um, it's You can't help it. And uh, it's a very valuable, it can be a gr very valuable growth-producing experience or it can be very destructive. So I'm gonna jump in again because this time I really do have to say you've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Okay.
Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson, and I was not paying attention. Um, so, quickly, where we come to is that to be an effective caregiver, first responder, it takes not only skills and knowledge, it takes heart. And if we, if caregivers who or first responders who get challenged in that area uh, can find that they have to work through uh, a very uh, a, can be like Haloa in our last uh, time we were here. Mm -hmm. They have to work through this challenge to come out the other side. There are consequences for not responding to the call to care for someone you love or to be part of a team for first responders. Right. And what and I'd, I'm going through really fast. But where we ended was that all of these add up to a call for self-care and the growth producing experience that everything we've talking about is giving. Okay. The, your, an earlier part of this discussion started with why do we do this show? Yes. And why did I choose to take this, f this format? There is a very good reason. Um, I've been working on helping people for a long time, thousands of people in very dire situations recovering from trauma. But you know what? I couldn't reach everybody. I couldn't reach enough people. And um, I've run up against enough, having enough experiences at this point to realize there are certain barriers that I couldn't get around. Um, there's certain attitudes. There's certain senses of armoring and stigma. They call it stigma. Where people would develop certain attitudes to protect themselves and insulate themselves. I still see it in the first responder world quite a bit, and I have a lot of first responder friends. And some of them have it, and some of them don't. But the ones that I know personally, really closely, will let it go to be with me. Others, uh, even though they know me and they're they like me, they're not giving it up. But it's not just that, not first responders. We saw it with the Navy SEALs. We've seen it with Marines when we had that. We've seen it with caregivers coming from other cultures uh, how yes the the, how to be strong and and me i'm one of those people so we look at that and we go well this work is what we're putting out is so important and we are so committed and convicted of it that we want to find more ways of more effective ways to reach more people this is this podcast that we do every week it's probably one of the highlights of our entire week. It is. This is an energy giving. We feel charged in a good way from doing this. Because most of our work involves struggle and suffering and pain and grief. Yeah. So we come here and we are stoked because we're reaching so many people all over the world. How do we know? Because we get, we get responses from all over the world and how important this work is for them and what it means to them. But we also know so many folks that have found certain ways, it, I think it's pride, <laughs> I really do, at least that's a defense, or arrogance, or um, educational ways of insulating themselves, and professionally, and uh, career-wise. Well, unfortunately, that's not such a good thing in this mm -hmm. kind of work. It may work at the time, temporarily, only these, many folks don't know it's only temporary, where they have to push that what we call the off button, which means you're dealing with dangerous, difficult situations. Right now, that's what you have to deal with. There's no sense 
there's nothing called for it to be vulnerable in any way. You have to get to work and deal with it quickly. Uh, absolutely. The problem is they don't know how to take care of themselves afterwards, and that off button stays off. If it stays off. So the body is accumulating that energy and that hyper-aroused state. So they're staying in that 24-7. And then the cumulative effect is very, very destructive on the health, mental health, physical health, relationships, um, lots of ways. I talked to a friend of mine who's a first responder, very aware, very smart lady. And I talked to her about this a little bit, and I said, look, what we have to offer is this. And she said, well, we do the debriefings now. Now, when I started with a friend, they didn't even do those. Now they know after very serious traumatic situations, they have to debrief, and they have a team that goes in, which I think is very good. You've actually participated in one of those, or the training for that. More more than one. Yeah. But it's not what we're just, we're not talking about just debriefing. No, and, and that's part of the real key part of your career has been to go beyond the words. Absolutely. And that debriefing isn't enough to keep a person resilient. We have to do things to make people, if they're part of this process of being caregivers of one form or another, they have to learn to tune into what the effect that their work is having on them. They have to tune into what they need to do for self-care. They have to have the skill level and the sensitivities to their own burdens, um, their own physicality and, and the forms that the stress is having on them. They have to know about that, and then they have to do something about it, probably not just something. Our work in dealing with the body that I've worked uh, to develop over a long time does this in, in, in diffusing the impact, the energy, the intensity of these very traumatic situations that helpers get into. We're able to get them back on their feet, get rid of that energy, and get them back to a normal self-regulated state. What does that mean? It means that they're get, they, they, they begin to let down again. They can relax and know that they're safe. Their bodies, not just their heads, know that. And that's the way it should be intuitively. We can get people back to that state. What we're finding though, with a lot of caregivers and first responders is they don't do that. So they stay stuck in that hyper-aroused state. I can attest to being one of those people. We just had a couple of incidents at our trauma institute. And I'll be honest with you, it wasn't tr- there wasn't trauma at that point, but my reactions are that fast and I expect it. And I'm ready to go at a moment's notice when I discovered there wasn't any trauma and I had misread the situations or misheard it and um, we just had one this morning at our staff meeting Kelly spilled her coffee upstairs <laughs> we're so we're so on alert on alert and particularly we hear Kelly yeah a little was she cursing I don't know what she was no doing. she said good thing I didn't curse yeah no, she, yeah <laughs> but we were ready thinking there was another emergency and we had to get on with it right get right there and when I went and looked at it, she was cleaning the carpet from her coffee. And yeah. I, and that's how For her coffee is serious, but this is yeah. not what we thought But we thought it's serious. And everybody yeah. f- at the staff meeting was ready to go, just about everybody. Um, and because that's what we do. But to stay in that state is such a burnout, uh, such a formula for burnout, and eventually getting sick. And that's not okay. So we're looking at that. So what is it that this format can do? I'll tell you what it does. It can get around some of those defenses and some of those, and instead of it being one-to-one or uh, instead of it being cons- looking at it as a caregiver seeing it as threatening 
or taking things too personally. This is another way of reaching folks that normally wouldn't be reached before they burn out or even during it. Um, to give them f food for thought, to give them energy and spiritual enrichment. What, how? Because they need to know they're not alone. They need to know that people understand what they're going through and that there are answers. There is hope. And this is in the midst of working out the struggles. You see, we're not saying that, oh, this is going to transcend the difficulty and the effects of it. We know better because we go through it every day. No, you're going to feel the effects of what you're going through and know the liabilities that we are called to face within ourselves as well as others. Not everybody is called to do this. Not everybody has the wherewithal to do it. I've seen good people and they look at it and they love to do it, but you know what? They're reticent, they're scared, they're self-conscious, um, they're afraid to be judged and evaluated, in num numbers of things, and they hold back. We've seen so many variations on this. So we're not talking that everybody is, is geared to do this kind of thing. I, I'll tell you that right now. But the folks that are, this is for you. And we want to give you the tools for self-care to keep yourselves fresh and resilient and hopeful in knowing there's going to be a better day. And there are tools and ways to approach this thing that will restore you and give you, your, give you an uplift and give you your energy back. And we know how to do it because we do it. We've helped so many people do this. This format hopefully will get around some of the things that we're personally not able to do at the Institute because that may be too threatening. The stigma, the challenges I'm talking about, they're called stigma. And I remember when we were dealing with the Navy SEALs, and we love a lot of the Navy SEALs. Not everybody, because we don't know, but the ones we know are outstanding individuals. But I'll tell you what, when it came to sitting, seeing me, Dr. Bernstein and his staff, a lot of them looked like, and we've had some that came to us who had been in terrible woundings and accidents and, and horrible and has experienced terrible losses, their attitude is, don't you dare feel sorry for me. And I don't need that. And I don't need a doctor dealing with me making me have a, a mental disorder. And I remember it woke me up to going, I don't want to feed into this stigma. I want to do whatever it, does, it takes to reach that person and give them some relief and hope. And if I'm doing something professionally, or even the labels that I've, that I've spent my lifetime accumulating gets in the way, then they are, they don't have, they're garbage. They're, I mean it. To me, they're not worth worrying about. I'm more interested in helping the person in front of me. That's I remember we, at that point, we was a wake-up call about post-traumatic stress disorder. And when you did that with a SEAL, they didn't want to know from it because they said, we're not sick. Anybody that does as many missions as we do is going to have this. And they were right. So we call it post-traumatic stress injuries. We don't look at it as a psychiatric disorder. Now, we may be outside the box. I'm glad to be there, by the way, because I look at it more like a Navy SEAL. We want to find ways to circumvent that, for circumvent the stigma and the defenses, the armoring and the barriers, and I'll tell you why. Because we care about the person doing the work. We let's, care about the folks that are struggling. Let's stop there for a moment. That's a really good point to stop on. Uh, you've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break.
Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. We were talking in our last segment, uh, Peter and I were talking about uh, our purpose here, one of the things we really want to accomplish. And uh, we want to reach out to people who are doing the hard work of caregiving, being a first responder, being in the military or law enforcement, to know that the stress and the difficulty, the trauma, uh, that that you go through you are not alone and there are ways to deal with it you don't have to just carry it with you day after day after day to the deterioration of your own health and relationships and just talking about it isn't enough and I think these debriefing groups after a while that's not enough it's gonna, you're gonna have to deal with the impact on the body and the nervous system which we do we feel to have an encompassing approach you got to deal with that right we have we can teach people and we want to teach others how to do this work, not just us, so you can carry it on. Um, you know, you can tell by the way we're talking and the way I'm talking, the passion we feel for this. It also comes from compassion. And one of the things I'm thinking about is, I've been doing this work a long time, and yet it's only probably in the last five or six years that I've been broken to again, more deeply. And um, it has to do with my wife. We call it Lynn's legacy. And um, we've been taking care of her. And my wife is someone, my dearest friend, my soulmate, an outstanding woman in so many ways. Um, she's had a great impact on a lot of people even now. But she's, her health is deteriorating more and more. And yet, what it's done to me is it definitely breaks me because I love her and I grieve for her and what's happening even though she's still with us they call it ambiguous grief I'm grieving but it also has given me a deeper sense of my own humanity and one of the things that I consider the greatest gift to all of us is to be able to relate to my fellow human being not as a professional just as a doctor but as a person who's gone through things himself and can understand the struggles that other people are having now, as a psychologist and a psychotherapist, I thought I did that. But I'll be honest with you. I don't label myself that way anymore. I see myself as a life coach, a consultant, a mentor, um, someone who's a trainer. Absolutely all of those things. But to put a label on as a psychologist and psychotherapist, I'm stepping beyond that. And I'm glad to do it. And I'm glad that I am able to reach out to my to anybody out there today and whatever it takes to get beyond the stigma, the barriers and defenses to reach where your pain is, to help you find the hope, to help you find the abilities and skills to work it through so it doesn't weigh heavily on you and begin to crush you. That, to me, is my greatest passion to do. And that's what this is about today. And as you can tell with Jenny, and she may not be quite as overt as I am, and I don't think she is, but today she's... she's sticking her head out there a lot because she definitely has the passion too was she always one of these aggressive engaging she was the opposite no she did not and she wasn't reachable for a long time either so we're talking about people that have had different experiences jenny probably will turn out to be like hello a very good communicator for people who run no void who don't want to hear to do that take the higher road and 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 it took jenny a long time but she's doing it now. Does she have the experience of hello at this point? And no, not yet. 
but she will have the ability to understand what it takes for somebody who wants to run away, bury their head in the stand, be in denial. Uh, uh, she'll be like, she'll be good at that. Me? I'm one of those people that have always, I engage. I see something that's, to me, there's there's only one thing to do. It's like, help them. Do whatever it takes. Find somebody to help them. Don't avoid, as painful as it may be, be immersed and be involved. But you know what, really? I have been the beneficiary of all of that. I've grown. I continue to grow. Um, do the challenges get easier? Not in my life, they don't. And I've had many. In fact, they get more difficult. But there's a part of me that is able to extrapolate and take away from this things that I can share with other people that can offer them some good and some and and to help them understand the greater, a bigger purpose in life for these struggles and these difficulties that we see. Many people look at it and go, and I'm in the midst of it, I'll be the big one. I don't love pain. I don't love it. I can't stand it. But I know how to deal with it, and I know how to cope with it, and I know how to deal with the effects of some overpowering and overwhelming challenges. I know how to deal with the impact of those. That doesn't mean I always come out the one who's in control at all. In fact, that's one of the things you learn in this work. Ultimately, we don't have the control. We may be do-gooders, but we don't have the power, to do the ultimate power. It's not. It doesn't rest with us. As far as I'm concerned, it rests with God. So I look at that and go, well, then I'm going to be facing my inadequacies and my incapabilities and my limitations. The key is to go through that and come out with a greater sense of who I truly am. And it seems to me that I develop more and more inner strength and capability than I've ever had. Not easily, and, uh, but it can be done. We want to pass that on to you. We want to hear from you. We want to know what your needs are. Because we do the training. We have the capabilities of teaching you what you need to do to take care of yourself in a better way. For the first responders, I hope you'll step out of your... You're great people. You do a great job. And I hope you're willing to see yourself as in a bigger picture that you're a caregiver like all the other caregivers. They may not be as tough as you in certain ways, um, but they have. you all have the same heart. We all have it. We give and we care about others. And we're willing to put ourselves and our lives on the line to help others. That, to me, is the thread that runs through all of us. We're all empaths. We care a lot. How do we cope about, live with it? That's another story altogether. And um, there are variations depending on if you're a first responder, cop, a doctor, a nurse, social worker, whatever. We all have our own silos that we live in. We want to transcend that. We want to get around it. and We want to get to the heart of what you need and be responsive to that. That, to me, is the most important part of this whole thing that we're That's doing. what we're here for. That's what we're here for. We want to hear from people listening from you. Mm-hmm. How can we serve you? How can we support you? Mm-hmm. How can we help you take on uh, the challenges that you see that you want to take on that you need some support and help with well even if they don't in some way they all need to if you're they involved need in this to. Community, yeah. need to. and and you mention and you're right that uh, Haloa is much more articulate about uh, the challenge that she took on than I did but I could add if I may I could add that one of the things that has 
motivated me, and if you hear passion in my voice today, it is that my desire, my, my desire as an adult to, um, as a legacy, to not live in fear, because I lived in fear for so many years. And the pain that I didn't want to go through, the struggles that I, I, I had experienced left me living in fear, and I did not want to be that person. And so taking on uh, the challenge of going through uh, facing the pain and the difficulties and my limitations, as you say, uh, I had experienced many times when I felt broken. And yet when I came through the other side, I could take steps to have more self-respect, live less in fear, take steps, become more assertive. I'm still not good at it, but I would just, I don't know how articulate I'm being right now because I didn't really think about this before I started talking, but I just feel like I want to say to everybody out there, if you're living in fear, you do not have to. I think that that's the core of most people who are running away. It's not just the fear. It's the barriers that they put up to cover the fear. Yeah. That they, they can be a grudge, there can be bitterness, there can be anger, there blame. There can be lots of things to justify the wrong behavior. At the core of it is fear. There's no question about it. For a person to be willing to finally face and admit that seems to be the hard part. How to reach a person that's in that state, well, I can't say that I'm completely uh, effective with everyone, um, but I think eventually Jenny's gonna be one of those people. I don't think she is yet, but she cares. She's been through a lot. Haloa is a matured voice of this, and that's what we are so grateful for, that she is a voice to reach people before they have to get to the point that Haloa did, or wait as long as Jenny did, but these people were unreachable and now they're not so we want to talk to the unreachables we want you to stop blaming we want you to stop justifying and understand the damage you're doing to yourself and to others to take the higher road before it's too late and if i encourage you to do anything it's that if you need the support or the tools to deal with the fears and to deal with what's holding you back the traumas well, that's what we've, we're considered experts in. Not experts as all the credentials, but people that have done this work for a long time and helped an awful lot of people. So that's what we want to put out to you. Um, we'd love to hear from you, too. We, we, we really would. We would. We also need something else. We need some support, too. Um, yeah. We've been doing this a long time, and one of the realities that's starting to hit us is that we're working on a very tight budget, budget if it's a budget at all anymore. <laughs> and we really have to face the realities of we, how much work we've done on our own dime for so long, and now we're drying up. Um, we've given a lot of money to caregivers in need, families in need, um, where we've, we've done a lot of different things that people really uh, needed, we responded to. But now we're seeing we have a financial need too. Our nonprofit has a, a financial need. And, then, and the, another need is to continue to be able to offer this podcast. The nonprofit un underwrites this as well. Absolutely. And so to keep this going, we have to, we have to face reality too. 
you know, I've listened to some of these uh, radio shows, music shows, uh, particularly that classical music, and they'll do such intense uh, uh, benefits for well, fundraising benefits. Holy yeah, mackerel. And I, it gets on my nerves after a while, but you know what? We're not going to be auctioning things no, off. No, but they no. need to do it or they're not going to be on the air. We need to do it or yeah. we're not going to be on the air. We're not, yeah. So we're looking to those that benefited from what we're doing, and we would love for you to make some a charitable donation to... Yeah, let me... Shall I ahead. give the yeah. information? You bet. I just... Uh, just, again, to say that the Survivor's Guide to Life is made possible through Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment, which is a 501c3 public charity and, and does depend on donations, as we're talking about. And we hope that what we offer is of value, and if so, uh, we'd love your support, your financial support, as well as your feedback. Um, the website is www.sctraumatreatment.org, and there is a way right on the website to donate. Um, we also uh, would love to be supported on social media. Uh, we could like us on the Survivor's Guide to Life on Facebook or Instagram. We're on YouTube. Um, if you'd like more information, you can visit our website at thesurvivorsguidetolife.com. Mm -hmm. uh, calling would be 707-781-3335. Emailing is me, Jenny, at BernsteinInstitute.com. And um, that's kind of my, my information for that. We also have some very good, we have a lot of papers that we've published and that we we've have written. resources on our Facebook page. And we have a book. And we have a book. Charming and we would be that. really, we are ready to share this. Which is on Amazon. The book is on Amazon. It's called Trauma. Thank you, Steve. Trauma, it's not called Trauma. Thank you, Steve. Trauma, Healing the Hidden Epidemic. Um, we have newsletters. We have papers. All of which we would love to share with anyone who'd like to hear about them. Um, anything else that I've missed, do you think? We're glad to do this. And I, you can hear the passion we feel in our hearts for how important we see, feel that this really, this kind of work really is. I hope that if there's anything, if there's a person out there who no one's been able to reach in there, I know there's many, um, I hope that we've been able to get, we're able to get around some of those barriers that you've put up in your own mind uh, to protect yourself. It's not really a protection. It's actually a vulnerability that's going to break you down eventually if you don't do something about it. We want to get to you before that happens. So I hope we are reaching people in need today who are going to put their uh, armoring aside mm -hmm. and become open to what it's really going to take to become really resilient even during the difficulties and the struggles. That is the very theme of this show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Please join us again next time. And all, us, all our best, and thank you for your service. Yes.